It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our very good friends at MyBookie. March Madness is in full swing, and it is time for you guys to cash in on all of the action. Put that knowledge to the test. Make yourselves a little spending money. Pay for that summer vacation. Pay off that car. Whatever it is that you want to spend that cash on, you can win it today at MyBookie. All you have to do is go to MyBookie.ag, sign up for a brand new account, and you will get a full 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. So make sure to jump on that. Now, I am your host, Tyler, and I am back with another edition of the Friday Five, where I dive into five UGA-related, or at least UGA-adjacent topics that have caught my attention, captured my interest over the course of the past week. I know the spring practice opened this week, guys. That has not escaped me. Trust me, I'm very well aware that spring practice is going on. I've been trying to pump out as many articles as I can for Dogs Daily over the past couple of days. So trust me, yes, I do know that spring practice is well underway, but the week has not finished. We have another practice this week, so I want to let that play itself out before Curtis and I jump back on this weekend to recap week one of Georgia spring practice. So we will do that. Curtis and I will jump on together on Sunday evening and we'll have you guys covered for everything that went down, all the news coming out of week one of Georgia spring football practice. But for today, I've got five topics that I want to dive into. So let's go ahead and do exactly that. And I'm going to open with several different football topics. The first one here is not directly related to Georgia football. It's more Georgia adjacent, but it's still something that certainly caught my interest. I had a good chuckle at it, and I also got kind of scared. I was like, oh God, please don't ever let this happen to us. Please do not ever let this happen to us. But in case you missed it, it was announced at some point on Tuesday night that Florida and Utah will be moving their week one matchup to open the 2023 college football season to Thursday night. So not only is it opening their 2023 college football seasons, it's opening everyone's college football season. I guess we still have week zero, but in terms of big time matchups, Florida and Utah move to Thursday night. Now this is the return game. Utah came to Gainesville to open the season last year. They they lost that one. It was a tight game. I thought Utah would win going into that matchup. Florida jumped up and played pretty well in week one. It was all kind of downhill from there for the Gators. But now the Gators have to travel out west to Utah to return the favor. But it's on a 
Thursday night. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong here, guys. I love that we have college football on Thursday nights. I love when we have intriguing, compelling matchups on Thursday nights. We used to have those consistently, but when the NFL decided they wanted to try to take over Thursday nights, we started to lose some of those matchups. The powers that be in the college football landscape just decided, well, we're not even going to try to match up with the NFL, which has been a source of frustration for me because I want to watch as much college football as I possibly can. So I love it when we have really good, compelling matchups on Thursday night, especially to open the season. You know, last year we had the backyard brawl that made its return, Pitt, West Virginia. I was pumped to watch that game. And it kind of lived up to the hype. It was a really good football game to open the season. Back in 2021, we had Ohio State travel to Minnesota to open the season. And on the surface, you would think coming into the year, oh, that's not going to be that compelling of a matchup. But man, what a game that was. Minnesota had a legitimate chance to win late in that game, but they ultimately ended up falling short. Mo Ibrahim got hurt in that game. He missed the rest of the year after that game. But it was an awesome, fun game to watch on a Thursday night to lead into the first full weekend of college football. So I absolutely love having those kind of matchups on Thursday nights, and hell, even Friday nights. Sometimes we get really interesting matchups on Friday nights, and I love that as well. I love Maction on Tuesday nights. I mean, I love me some Maction. So I'm not here to say that all college football games should be played on Saturdays. That's not what I'm trying to get across here. This is admittedly a very, very selfish viewpoint, a very narrow, selfish viewpoint for me, and I fully recognize that. I don't mind college football on Thursdays, on Fridays, on Tuesdays, on Wednesdays. What I would mind, however, is if the Georgia Bulldogs played a regular season college football game that was on any other day than a Saturday. I mean, going back to, you guys remember this in 2020, which ended up being the COVID year? We were originally scheduled to play Virginia on Labor Day night, on Monday night in the Chick-fil-A kickoff classic in Atlanta. And I was pissed off about that. I was not excited about that. Like if you want to put a Georgia football game on a Monday night, I understand that you get all eyes on you and it's a primetime game and there's no other game going on. There's no other competition and it's a great way to sell your program. I get all of that. I truly do. But my biggest issue with that game was that if if we're going to do this, if we're going to have a Georgia football game that's on any other day other than a Saturday, we're doing it on Monday night, it better be against a much more compelling opponent than freaking Virginia. Who cares about Virginia? I can get behind it a lot more if it was, oh, I don't know, Georgia, Ohio State. If it was, oh, I don't know, Georgia, Michigan, Georgia, Florida State, Georgia, Texas, Georgia, USC, something like that. If you tell me, well, to to play this game, we got to move it off Saturday. We got to move it to Monday night to get all those eyes in the game. I would begrudgingly say, all right, cool. I, I I can deal with that. It's a big game. I'm fine with it. But when you're playing a game like that on a Monday, nah, man, no. But when it comes down to it, here's the reason why I I personally am very protective of Georgia football games being on Saturdays. It's all about the fan experience for me, guys. That's what it comes down to. I understand that there could be some monetary value to playing on a day other than Saturday where you get all those eyes. I understand there could be some recruiting value. I get that. I truly do. I understand that TV runs the show. And if ESPN, now that we have this exclusive deal with ESPN kicking in in 2024, Greg Sankey's already talked about how we're going to change some of the traditional SEC viewing windows because we don't have to worry about scheduling everything around the 3.30 CBS game, that get, that game of the week where you could not, where ESPN or any other network could not, could not broadcast another SEC game during that time frame. It was an exclusive window for CBS. The only exception CBS was willing to make was the four o'clock 
SEC Network game once the SEC Network was created, which is why the 4 o'clock SEC Network time slot is still to this very day reserved for the worst game, the least compelling matchup on the SEC slate that week because that's the only way that CBS would agree to waive their exclusive window in that one isolated instance is if it was matched up against the least compelling matchup because who was going to watch that other than the fans of those teams? And probably not even the fans of those teams, to be honest, when it's that bad of a matchup. So I understand now that ESPN has full control of our rights, at least going into to 2024, that there could be some drastic shifts in when these games are played, when they're televised. And, and could that possibly mean Georgia playing a regular season game, whether it's a, a game inside Sanford Stadium or on the road somewhere on a Thursday night? Yeah, it's possible. I, I recognize that. I really do. But I don't like it. I absolutely don't like it. And it has nothing to do with me saying, oh, that feels like it's a JV game. Like I know people say that they want to point and laugh at teams that play on Thursdays, saying like, well, the reason you get to play on Thursday is because nobody will watch you on Saturday with all the other good games going on. And maybe there's some truth to that. Like I'm not saying there's no truth to that, but that's that's not what I care about. I really don't care what other fan bases say if they want to point and laugh, like whatever. I care about the fan experience. And I do not want to speak for anyone else. I know that Everyone has their own way to enjoy Georgia football. I have my way. Curtis has his way. You guys have your way. Charlie has her way. Everybody has their own way. And that's what makes the world a beautiful place. You get to follow your bliss in any way that you see fit. But for me personally, I do care deeply about Georgia football, which I know all of you do out there. Um, Some might say I'm obsessed with it. I think that might be fair to say. I'll own that. And I go to all the games, guys. That's just kind of, I build my life around it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm proud of it. I love it. I I love going to these games. It's something that I live for. I I look forward to it all year long. I'm a Georgia season ticket holder. I go to all the row games, bowl games, all of that stuff. So for me, because what some people have told me is like, well, I wouldn't care if it was a a road game in the regular season. Like, that doesn't matter to me. I'm just going to watch it on TV like I would normally. And I get that's most people. I really do. But I, I like to go to these games. Just something that I like to do. And for me, again, super selfish, I understand this, but for the people like me who do like to travel to the games, if it's a road game, it becomes much more difficult to do that because if I travel to a a typical road game on a Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, I just got to take one day off work. I take Friday off and I'm good. Sometimes depending on how close it is, like if it's Columbia, South Carolina or Auburn, I don't have to take a day off because it's such a short drive. I just leave right after work on, on Friday. But if the game's on a Thursday I mean, okay, I guess I could technically leave Thursday after work, depending on where it is. Probably not. I have to take Thursday off. Then I got to take Friday off coming back. So that's two days right there. And depending on where the game might be, now the SEC is expanding. I might leave Wednesday night because like, I don't I don't want to just get there like right before the game, go to the game, and then drive back home the next day. Like, I mean, I, I would do that if I have to. I've done that before. I would prefer, though, I love going to different campuses. I, I truly enjoy that, just experiencing something new and different or something that you don't experience on a regular basis. I really, really do enjoy that. Most of these campuses that we play in the SEC, I have my certain spots that I like to go to. And I, I very much look forward to going back to those places every other year, whether it's it's Harpo's in Columbia, whether it's Calhoun's in Knoxville, whether it's any number of bars on Broadway in, in Nashville. I look forward to those trips and they each have something special to me and, and I, I like going back to those places. So I like to get into those towns the night before so I can go out in the town, enjoy some good food, have a good time and then get up and, and run go to the game, have a great time, and drive back on Sunday. Well, that's not really how that would go for me and for a lot of the fans who like to travel to these games if it was a road game. Now, a home game, now I'm fortunate enough to live in Athens, so I I mean, I would just go to the game on Thursday, but I mean, 
what? Like, okay, I just go to work and then I come home and go to the game. I mean, yeah, I'll do that. But is that really the true Georgia football Saturday experience for a fan? Not my experience. Again, maybe for some people, but that's not what I like to do. I know there's a lot of fans out there that also would not enjoy. They like to tailgate all day long. Get up bright and early, claim your spot, and tailgate all day and up to the game and then after the game. It comes a lot harder when it's a Thursday. Could you take Thursday off? Yeah, sure, absolutely. And then uh, let's say you had a good little time, you know, and maybe you're not feeling great the next morning. You got to get up and go to work. You can take that day off too. So that's two, two days to take off right there. I don't know. It's just... There's something that just wouldn't feel right about it to me personally. Football Saturdays are sacred to me, guys. I don't say that lightly. Georgia football Saturdays are a sacred thing to me that should be protected at all cost. So no, I would absolutely be adamantly opposed to any idea floated out there that Georgia might be playing a football game on a Thursday night. Now, I have had I've heard nothing to suggest that is remotely imminent, but now you got Florida doing that. Florida's not a team that traditionally plays Thursday night games. You've got this new deal with ESPN kicking in after this season, and it could be a possibility. It's just not a possibility that I really, really want to actually see come to fruition. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, let's keep this thing rolling. Let's stay on the football topic here for a few more minutes. And uh, let's go, let's talk about Pro Day. So Pro Day, I'm recording this actually Wednesday night because the NCAA tournament kicks off, well, I guess in full swing. I guess technically we've already had games, but it kicks off in full swing on Thursday. And you know what, guys? I love college basketball. I like to watch all those games. So I'm doing this a day early. So Pro Day happened today. And as I sit here right now at 6.26 p.m., Jalen Carter was unable to finish his drill work during pro day. And this is after not doing any work on the field, no drills at all at the NFL combine. Apparently it's back spasms is what I'm hearing right now. He did some drills, but was not able to finish. On top of that, he also weighed in at 323 pounds, which is nine more pounds than he did just a couple of weeks ago at the NFL combine in Indianapolis. That's not a good look on its own. That's not a good look. But when you combine that with, of course, the two misdemeanor charges stemming from the tragic accident with Chandler LaCroix and Devin Willick and Jalen Carter's 
potential maybe I don't know what kind of culpability he had in that or at least his involvement in that whatever degree he was involved in it there are at least some sort of legal issues going on there that that we are aware of and then also on top of that the fact that it, it was revealed that he was pulled over for speeding at some point prior to the 2022 football season which starts to bring up questions of responsibility maturity how much can this guy actually be trust with all those things kind of being mixed together right now Jalen Carter's NFL draft stock is dropping, at least based on what you hear from NFL draft reporters, guys who actually are are really plugged into these kind of things. Now, of course, all of this is fluid when it comes to the NFL draft. How much of it is is smoke being thrown out there to mislead other teams? That's always hard to decipher. It's always hard to know. But when you start to look at the accumulation of all these different things working against Jalen Carter and his NFL draft status and outlook, you start to think there's might actually be something to it. I mean, I read a report, was it late last week, this weekend maybe, that right now there's a strong potential that Jalen might drop all the way to like number nine to the Bears. And the Bears had the number one pick. They traded to the Panthers, I think Friday night. Now they're number nine. Like what if he, the guy they could have potentially drafted number one overall, he drops to him at number nine? I, I hate it for the guy. I really do. I mean, this is a guy that was getting legitimate talk about being the number one overall draft pick. And you just don't hear that at all right now. Now you're hearing like somewhere in the late top 10, maybe. Now, from a talent standpoint, I still think he would be an absolute steal. Maybe the steal of the century, getting a guy that the, the caliber from a talent perspective of Jalen Carter at number eight, nine, ten, 10, somewhere around there. You're getting an absolute steal of a football player. But that's not what the people really have questions about. We, we know what the questions are about. We know, going back to what Todd McShay was saying you know, months ago, people are now worried about, quote-unquote, character concerns. Now, I'll tell you exactly what I told you guys when Todd McShay brought that up you know, a couple months ago. I have never heard from anyone that I know associated with the Georgia football program that there are any sort of character concerns with Jalen Carter. Now, that doesn't mean he's a perfect kid, and it doesn't mean that they're being completely honest with me. I'm just telling you that's that's what I know personally, and that I don't know everything. I just I'm just giving you what I have, and I also know that every time Kirby Smart has been asked about him, as he was at Pro Day today when he spoke with the assembled media members, he has spoke very highly of Jalen Carter, and he has consistently said, as I have said multiple times on this show, Jalen Carter did not have to come back from injury this year. When this guy got hurt two different times, right? Because he got he was hurt prior to the Missouri game, comes back and plays against Missouri, and he wasn't 100%, and then he gets cheap-shotted in that game, misses a couple more games. So he was hurt two different times, which meant he had two different opportunities to just basically opt out and do what a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver from Ohio State, do what he did. Get hurt early in the year and just say, um... I'm good. And just keep saying, oh, I'm still hurt. It's still lingering. But really, no, you just don't want to play anymore because you don't want to risk your NFL draft stock. He could have easily done that. He had two different opportunities to do that. I mean, heck, he came back the first time and he got hurt again, right? And even after that, he still came back because he wanted to go out there and win another national championship. He did not want to let down his teammates. And I have a lot of respect for that. Now, does that mean he's perfect again? No, of course not. The decision-making when it comes to the speeding, potential drag racing, if that's exactly what it was. I I don't want to speculate too much here because I don't have all the details. But if that's what it was, that that is certainly a a sign of very poor decision-making. Of course it is. Now, does that mean he makes poor decisions in every aspect of his life? 
No, it does not. Far too often, people are very reactionary when it comes to these kind of things. Now, I get it from an NFL perspective because you are potentially investing millions upon millions, tens and tens of millions of dollars in a guy that you might draft in the top 10 of the NFL draft. So you want to make sure that you are not drafting the wrong kind of guy. You want to make sure you're drafting a high character guy that's going to go out there and earn that money. I fully understand that. You don't want a Zach Wilson type guy. Not saying Zach Wilson's the the worst dude in the world, but has had more than his fair share of off the field distractions and was immature coming into the league and didn't know how to work. And when you put that at the quarterback position, that's not a good look. Teams are very weary at this point in investing that kind of money in a player that they don't fully trust. And I think that's the concern. I think that's why he's dropping. I do not think that it is anything related to his talent. Now, I don't like the fact, it doesn't help him that he came in at 323 pounds. I mean, that is, you know, almost 10 pounds heavier than he was just a couple of weeks ago at the NFL Combine. And that's also like, what is that, like, what is that saying about Jalen Carter? Like, where is this guy mentally right now when you know you have a very important pro day coming up? You did not work out the NFL Combine. You have this pro day coming up, where it's, which is only be the only time you're going to work out for these NFL scouts. And you saved yourself of that. And then you come into your pro day 10 pounds heavier than what you were. Now, maybe he wanted to be 323. I have a hard time believing that. I don't think that's necessarily the case. So if, if he just came in there out of shape and, and gained too much weight, like, what are you doing, man? You've got to be better than that. That just is going to add more fuel to the fire of this guy's like, is this a guy that we can trust? Now, saying that, I, I will also say, as Kirby Smart said today, I mean, I, I cannot imagine what he's going through right now being, I don't want to say involved in the death of, of Devin Willick and Chandler LaCroix, but at least connected to it in some way, right? I mean, he's got, they're only misdemeanor charges, but two misdemeanor charges against and stemming from that incident. Um, allegedly at this point, he was actually on the scene when it happened and allegedly fled the scene and came back. Is that true? We don't know. I guess we're going to let that play out in the courts and find out. But if he was there and he saw it happen, saw one of his best friends die right there, I mean, what, like, how does that, what do you, how do you handle that? I I couldn't handle that. What do you do with that? So there's, I would imagine there's some trauma there and there's some, some mental health stuff. And that might explain something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. The guy haven't talked to him. Just trying to speculate here. Just trying to understand what's happening. So I, because other than that, like it's just it's hard to explain that. I mean, this is a guy that's worked really hard his entire career at Georgia to get to this point. So there's got to be some way to explain that. It's, it's hard to imagine that it doesn't have something to do with that. So I just I really hope the guy number one is okay. I am rooting for him. I want the guy to go number one overall. I really do. I mean, I want Jalen to have all the success in the world, and I hope that his draft stock gets back to where it was. But right now. As we sit here now at 6.36 p.m. on Wednesday night, just after our pro day, it does appear that signs are pointing to his draft stock falling right now. Now, one guy whose draft stock is on the other end of the spectrum and continues to rise is Darnell Washington. You know, talking to, He didn't really do much in the way of working out at pro day today, talking, meeting with, with NFL executives, with coaches, that kind of thing. He did what he needed to do on the field in a combine setting at the NFL combine, put up that four, six dropping some weight, looking better out there in terms of running pass routes, moving a little better. We know what he can do as a blocker. This guy continues to help himself. Kirby was raving about him, not just, you know, him dropping weight and what he can do on the field. We know all of that, but raving about how he has developed and matured off the field. And you know, he's saying the exact same things and, and probably even more glowing things behind closed doors, talking to NFL personnel. So I'm really, really excited about Darnell. This is a guy that a 
100% deserves it. He had such a selfless career here in Athens. I mean, he's a guy that I believe could have helped us a lot more in the passing game, but when you have Brock Bowers out there, he's just a different kind of guy. He's just an animal out there in the pass game. So Darnell played his role and did it without complaining. Not only did he not complain, he celebrated Brock. He celebrated the other tight ends who were making plays. And you know he wanted to make some of those plays himself, but it wasn't about him. And Kirby Smart said as much, and I have a lot of respect for him. So I think Darnell with the skill set, the talent, the character, his draft stock continues to rise. And I'm very, very excited for him. And my third topic today is related to Pro Day, but we're going to call it a separate topic because it's not about a specific player. I just wanted to point out, and I know this is not the first time that this has ever happened. This is actually kind of routine for us. It's great. I love this. I always love it when we have former players who have left the program, transferred out, whether they were transferred, whether they were kicked off the team for whatever reason. Usually it's transfers now. When they come back to Georgia, come back to Athens for our pro day, that they would want to come back to Athens, that they are welcome back to Athens. I think that's a beautiful thing, man. I really do. I, I think it says a lot about our culture here at Georgia that these guys know the coaches still love them and know the coaches will still allow them to have that opportunity. And I think it says a lot about our coaches allowing them to come back and have that opportunity, especially if they've left the right way. So guys like Matt Landers, who transferred to Toledo and then to Arkansas, guys like Amir Speed, who went to rejoin Mel Tucker at Michigan State, a guy like Jaden Hunter, remember that name? All those kind of guys coming back to Athens for Pro Day to have that opportunity at a time in our program's history where a lot of people are questioning the culture within our program, I think they are entirely off base. So that I think they've taken one isolated incident and they have very, in a very reactionary way, extrapolate that out to mean that Georgia just has a terrible culture within our football facility. I think this kind of thing pushes back on that. Now, will Members of the mainstream media, you know, the AJC, will they report that? Hell no, of course not. We know that. It doesn't sell newspapers. It doesn't generate clicks. They are just going to ask salacious questions at press conferences like, Kirby Smart, have you lost control of your program? I mean, what do you think the guy is going to say to that? And then once he doesn't answer it to your satisfaction, you're going to write some scathing article, get on Twitter and fire off some snarky tweets about how bad of a guy Kirby Smart is. That's what they want to do. That's what they think sells papers. That's what they think gets clicks. But you and I know better. People with actual functional brains who actually pay attention to things and are not agenda-driven, we know better. And I think welcoming these players back like that is is certainly just one of many signs that this program's culture is as good as any culture that you will find within any program in this country. All right, guys, before we move on to a couple other topics outside of the world of Georgia football, let me take a quick second to remind you guys about our good friends at Alumni Hall. By the time you are listening to this episode, March Madness will have officially begun. We are going to be knee-deep in the NCAA tournament. You know, this first weekend is one of the best weekends on the entire sporting calendar all year long, and you don't want to miss out on the action, guys. You're going to be watching the games, but those upsets are even more sweet when you have a little cash on those games, you have a little bit more invested in what's happening. So whether you see a couple of games you like, that you want to put together in a couple of parlays, whether you want to do some in-game betting, some live betting, or you're simply looking for some player and game props, those are always a ton of fun. Whatever your preference is, whatever you're looking for, my bookie has you covered. And it legitimately could not be more simple to get in on the action and start an account with my bookie. All you have to do is go to mybookie.ag, 
Make your first deposit. Use the promo code UGA, exclusive to this podcast, to claim your exclusive 100% deposit bonus on that initial deposit for all new users up to $1,000. It's that simple, guys. Again, promo code UGA at mybookie.ag to claim a little extra cash on top of that initial deposits. So with hundreds of thousands of dollars in prizes for March Madness and, of course, their weekly blackjack tournaments, you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. So get started now, guys, and bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And we are back. And let's move away from football here for the last two topics on my list this week. And let's go with the baseball team. I discussed last week on our Friday Five episode how excited I was about the development and performance of both pitchers Jaden Woods and Liam Sullivan, our number one and number two starters in the rotation this year after that first weekend of the season. And this past weekend, they were lights out yet again. For the second time in his last three starts, Liam Sullivan did not give up a single hit before being pulled. Jaden Woods has really settled in. His location is far improved from what it was in the first week of the season and going back to last year. The fastball is still the fastball. The off-speed stuff is looking better than it ever has at any point in his career. I know the competition level hasn't been particularly great. We did play Georgia Tech. Both those guys had a start against Georgia Tech, and they were both lights out in those starts. But then you also throw in Princeton and Charleston Southern there. I understand it's not like a murderer's row of a schedule, but it doesn't matter. These guys weren't doing those kind of things against these type of teams last year. They weren't. This year, they're doing that. I think that's very encouraging moving into conference play, which does open this weekend at home at Foley Field against the South Carolina Gamecocks. So I remain very excited about what both Woods and Sullivan are bringing to the table right now. However, as I mentioned last week, and then I'm going to reiterate here again, outside of Woods and Sullivan, it's kind of a disaster. It's, for lack of a better term, it's a shit show right now. That's what it is. Pardon my language, but it is a shit show. I'm talking about our Sunday starter, which is an absolute disaster right now. Our midweek starting situation, we we don't even have a midweek starting situation. We're just throwing guys out there and just seeing if anything sticks. And at this point, nothing has stuck. To illustrate this, this is wild, guys. This is absolutely wild. To illustrate this, listen to this. So in the last three weekends, over the course of the last three weekends, Jaden Woods and Liam Sullivan have given up a combined two earned runs in their six combined starts. Let me say that again. Over the course of each of their last three starts over the past three weekends, so six starts in total, three starts for each guy, they have given up a combined two earned runs. They have also only given up a combined 10 hits over the course of those same six starts and have struck out a combined 52 batters, which comes out to about eight and a half strikeouts a game. Those dudes have been lights out. So again, two earned runs combined over the course of the last six starts, but over the course of the past three weekends in total, so that's so that's a weekend series against Princeton, a weekend series against Georgia Tech, and then a weekend series last weekend against Charleston Southern. We have given up a combined 50 runs total as a staff. Again, Woods and Sullivan are only responsible for two of those earned runs, which means the 48 other earned runs that we've given up over the course of the past three weekends have come from everyone else. That's a problem. I feel really good about Woods. I feel really good about Sullivan, but it puts a ton of pressure on those guys to be lights out and be dominant every single time they take the mound because they know if they're not, there's a very good chance that we're going to lose the Sunday game and the midweek game because 
we just don't have any other arms, at least not arms that we can count on. I, I thought early in the season that the bullpen was going to be better than it was last year. And I still think it's, it's better than it was last year, but that's not saying much because it was an abject failure last year. Our bullpen was an anchor weighing the team down. We tried to address in the transfer portal. I do think we brought in some more options. We have more depth, but it's still been a problem. Almost everybody we put in there at one point or another has gotten rocked. And I, I know it, like that happens in baseball, right? It happens to almost everybody, but it's happening too consistently right now to our bullpen and whoever we tried out there as our Sunday starter and whoever we tried out there as a sacrificial lamb to be our midweek starter. And I'm going to give Scott Strickland credit. He's trying every possible combination. He's giving so many different guys a chance, whether it's Blake Gillespie, a true freshman, whether it's Colton Smith, a freshman, Matthew Hoskins, a freshman, Leighton Finley, a freshman, Nolan Crisp. He's gotten multiple options. And, and Crisp is solid-ish, but he ain't it, man. Like he, He's not the kind of guy that you want to have to rely on as your Sunday starter. He filled in admirably for us last season, but... He's just not that guy, and that's. I'm not trying to criticize Noel. I know it comes off that way. I'm just. He's just not that guy. We need an answer there. I do like the young freshman arms. I like Gillespie. He's been kind of skittish to start the season. He's been hit pretty hard. He just doesn't seem like he has the confidence right now. Matthew Hoskins is a guy that I really do like. I think he is a he's a big, strong power pitcher. I think he's going to be really good. You can say the same thing about Leighton Finley. I feel strong about him as well. I think he's going to be a big-time pitcher for us. They're just not polished right now. I, I hope at some point this season they can get closer to ready, but right now they, they haven't shown that they are consistently ready. Chandler Marsh is, has been better. I think he's going to him and Dalton Raiden, who's a transfer he brought in, will probably be working um, the eighth and ninth inning for us in some sort of combination. And those guys have been, they've been good for the most part of our bullpen. Those guys have been really pretty consistent for us. Uh, we, we had the, the first game of the year against Jacksonville State. Marsh came in in a very tough situation, gave up a couple hits, gave up a couple runs. And, and that was a tough look. We lost that first game. You're kind of like, oh man, that sucks. Like, is this just a is this a sign of things to come? But Marsh has gotten back on track, and he started to show some signs of being the guy that he was growing into at the end of last year, which was his freshman year. And Dalton Raines is coming as a transfer. He's been really, really good. He got hit up. He got knocked around a little bit in the midweek this week. I think he gave up two runs, but other than that, he's been he's been pretty consistent, solid, reliable for us there. So I like those two guys, but outside of them in the bullpen, it's just like it's an adventure, man. Like you just don't know what you're gonna get any given day, and that's um. I guess it's exhilarating because you just don't know, but it's also horrifying. Fortunately, our bats have not cooled off. I know that we have not gotten to conference play. That opens this week. So, you know, it's it, I don't want to say cool off is not the right term, but we're not going to be hitting at the same rate that we have been to this point in the non-conference slate. I mean, that's that's unlikely, but I don't think we're going to fall off a cliff either. I think that our bats are like legit. I mean, I mean, Connor Tate has been awesome for two years in a row and he's playing better and hitting hitting better than he has at any point in his career, which is saying something because that dude has been really good for us for a while. Charlie Cunningham is coming in a redshirt freshman and been an absolute revelation for us in the middle of the lineup. I mean, he's leading the United States of America, guys, in RBIs right now. The guy is crushing the ball. As I told you last week, it's not just that he's hitting home runs. He's absolutely crushing the baseball. It's it's a sight to behold when this guy gets a hold of one, and he's getting a hold of quite a few baseballs out there. So I love this lineup, and they're going to keep us in games 
in a way that we haven't been able to in, in previous years in our Scott Strickland. Like, if we had a bad start from a pitcher, it was just over because we just didn't hit well enough. Well, this year, like, we might get a bad start from a pitcher, and we're going to get bad starts from pitchers, especially on Sundays in the midweek, but we have enough bats to still give us a chance. So that's what we're doing right now, guys. Outside of Fridays and Saturdays, when we give the ball to Woods and Sullivan, we're just having to out-hit teams. We're having to out-slug them. And so far, it's been solid. I wish we would not keep blowing these Sunday games to inferior opponents. You know, we're, we're dominating these teams on Friday and Saturday, but then you blow a game against Princeton, you blow a game against Charleston Southern, and that final game against Princeton to wrap up that series, that's case in point, guys. We lost that game 12-11. to 12-11. to 11. I know it's college baseball, and runs are a little bit more common than they are in the professional leagues, but when you score 11 runs in a game against a team the caliber of Princeton, you should win that game 10 times out of 10. But we didn't because our pitching is... Um, well, it's interesting right now, to say the very least, when it comes to the Sunday starter and that midweek starter. I hope that we find answers. I I don't know that we will. At this point in the season that we're entering conference play, maybe, but I'm I'm not holding my breath. I'm just hoping that the bats can be enough to get a couple of wins on Sundays and to hold serve most of the time in the midweek. I mean, we got Clemson in the midweek coming up here in a couple weeks. That'll be tough. We've got another game with Georgia Southern. I mean, guys, I mean, Wofford's, like, they're 14-2 and right now. We beat Wofford uh, Tuesday 10-8. to Ten to eight, Wofford. Ten to eight. Like I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like we're giving up runs. We're just gonna have to outscore teams. We beat Georgia Southern midweek, uh, but two weeks ago, seventeen to eleven. We beat Charleston on Friday, eighteen to nine. Like yeah, great. We're crushing the ball. But when we get into SEC play, are we gonna be able to hit the ball as consistently well as we had at this point? And the pitching is only gonna face even more consistent, more dangerous hitters. So that concerns me. I'm not going to lie. That concerns me. We're in good position going to conference play, but this pitching situation at the back end of the rotation, it certainly has me concerned to say the least. All right. And finally, guys, the last topic on my list today, you know, I saved my Georgia tennis, the best for last. And uh, I've got a big match this weekend, guys. Both the men and women are home this week. We have a ton of Georgia tennis. The women are at home on Friday afternoon at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 1 p.m. Big match on Sunday, a top 10 match against Auburn. Uh, a girl that used to play for us, her name is Ariana Arsenault. She's playing court one for Auburn, so it'll be really nice to get a win over them. Also, always nice to beat Auburn, but also over Ariana. No, no hard feelings, but you know, you leave us. like to beat you. The women's team is all the way up to number three in the country. You don't want to miss this team, guys. They are fantastic. They're so much fun to watch. We're we're really strong up and down the lineup. And then on Saturday, the guys have an absolutely massive match against Tennessee. Tennessee, right now, they're, they're ranked inside the top 15. But the Tennessee, like from a talent standpoint, it's a top five caliber team. Their coaches just had a lot of confidence in their team coming into the year and scheduled a really, really tough non-conference slate. And they lost a number of those matches and the way college tennis rankings work it's it's all a formula it's all who you be how much did you beat them by what's their record all that kind of stuff so based on the formula right now Tennessee I think they were at what 13 or 14 last time I looked but trust me they are much better than that they made deep runs into the NCAA tournament the past couple of years we've had a lot of trouble with them over the past couple of years they've been they've been awesome man they've been lights out and they had this dude named Johannes Monday on court one, who's a big, tall, lanky dude with powerful ground strokes, moves really well, super long, is able to play great defense out there on the court, and it is a prime time singles matchup on court one. You have number two ranked Ethan Quinn, redshirt freshman Ethan Quinn for the Georgia Bulldogs versus number 10, Johannes Monday for Tennessee. Monday is he is legit, guys. He is an awesome player. I've watched him multiple times. I've seen us lose to him almost every single time that we played him. He is awesome. So to see him on court one against Ethan Quinn 
it doesn't get much better than that when it comes to college tennis. So if you get a chance, guys, they've moved the match to 1 p.m. It was at 4 p.m., and it's now at 1 p.m., so it gives you a chance to come back home and watch some of the NCAA tournament. Come on out, guys. It's totally free. We need you to be loud and proud out there. This is a massive match. It's going to go a long way towards seeding the SEC tournament, which will go a long way towards seeding in the NCAA tournament. We need this match at home, and we need a bunch of fans out there to go crazy. We need a bunch of rowdy Georgia tennis fans out there to do our part to help lift this team to victory and really take some momentum into the rest of the SEC schedule. We started out 4-0 in conference play. The women are 3-0 in conference play. Both teams are off to fantastic starts. We have... As I say, I feel like every time we talk about Georgia tennis, I'm going to say it again because it's true. We have two legitimate national championship contenders in Athens this year. Come on out and watch them, guys. Bring the family. It's free. It's fun. Outside of football, there's no better drama on campus than what you find at the Dan McGill Tennis Complex. I know that sounds crazy for those of you who haven't taken in a college tennis match, but trust me, the format, the way it's set up, it's a dramatic couple of hours, and it's so much fun. So come on out, guys. If you've never taken it in, I promise you, you will not regret it. Come on up to Athens and make an entire weekend out of it. You can watch some tennis. You can go downtown, watch some college basketball, bet on college basketball at my bookie, and just have one hell of a weekend. But all right, guys, that's it for me here today on the Glory UGA podcast. Curtis will be back with me on Sunday, so we'll have the week one spring practice recap episode up for you guys late Sunday night, early Monday morning. Also, don't forget to check out what we've got going on at Dogs Daily. As I mentioned earlier in the week, I have now been fortunate enough to get an opportunity to help write for Dogs Daily. We've got a bunch of great coverage for you when it comes to spring practice, pro day, all that stuff. So make sure to check that out. But enjoy the college basketball this weekend, guys. Enjoy the college tennis if you want to come up here and take it in and have one heck of a weekend. I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs.